that passage that Jonathan read is a pretty, pretty big, pretty cool moment um, in Scripture. I can only imagine how big of a moment it was for Jeremiah when he was, when he was called by God to that specific work. Let me just, in a, in a word or a phrase, if you can answer it this way, and if you're on Zoom and you want to type something in, in the chat, that would be fine too. When, um, what comes to mind when you hear someone talk about a calling in life? What comes to mind? Purpose? Purpose? Okay. <laughs> Disruption. Yes. <laughs> Very true. Somebody from the back said something. Passion? Yeah. yeah. A gifting. Okay. All right. Anybody on Zoom answering anything that... Uh, Um, if, um, if I were to say to you, um, you know, a little over uh, two and a half years ago, I began meeting with uh, Suzanne and a search team uh, for Bay Marin. Um, how weird would it be if I, if I just, in the middle of that interview process, said, um, just, I just want you guys to know, do, you know, do whatever you feel like you need to do, but uh, from the womb, God has called me to uh, be the pastor here. And, uh, and I, got a, I got a word uh, from God. Uh, we're going to uproot and uh, tear down, and we're going to pluck up, and we're going to destroy, and then we're going to plant and build. What do you think? Kind of sometimes, you know, people that are really strong and saying, hey, I've got a word from God, or I got a calling can kind of maybe make us feel a little uneasy, and I kind of wonder what Jeremiah was feeling. Um, I love the responses that you were given, that it's a gift, but it's also disrupting. Um, a lot of times it is um, either, Re Rebecca, talk to me a little bit more about the passion part of it. Beautiful. So um, for, for those of you on Zoom, it, it's kind of the difference between doing a job because you're getting a paycheck versus there is something welling up within you that is it's, it's more life-giving. And uh, it's, it's kind of something that is more than what we could receive monetary reward for that can kind of keep us going. Um, but I, yeah, I do think, uh, I think passion can play a big part in it. What was, do you remember from the reading, what was Jeremiah's excuse? Why was he reluctant? He was too young, okay? Um, no offense, but I'm looking at most of us in this room. That's probably not an excuse that we could use too much. Um, Here's what I, a couple of thoughts as we begin to wade into this passage. Um, one, um, I think the worst, worst thing we can do with this passage is think that God calls 
other people as opposed to God calls you and I. He calls each of us. And in regards to passion, um, what I have been praying for our church specifically this week as we've been, as, as I've kind of just sat with this passage and thinking about Jeremiah saying, well, I'm just too young for this. Um, I am praying that we will go into this with youthful passion. Because that's, that's not dependent upon our age. Now, I do think youthful passion is contagious. <laughs> and so for some of you who already are living with a youthful uh, passion because you are youth, uh, we need you. We, we want that um, to... That's, that's the ember that we've talked about in times past, you know, that others of us catch fire because of the ember that passion that's in you. But I want us to, to be very sensitive to the fact that um, a youthful passion um, needs to begin to well up within each of us. Even as we think about why has God called Bay Marin to this community and beyond? Um, we, it is made up of individuals who are each responding to that, to that call and I think, um, um, I think passion is one of the things that, that plays a key role in it. Um, when we think of excuses, or maybe, maybe a, a little softer way of wording that would be, when we voice our reluctance, what, what are some of the more common excuses or, or reasons that we would give being reluctant to respond to what God is calling us to? Scared? I don't know how. I don't seem don't, what, say it again? I don't, I don't, yeah, it doesn't seem possible. I don't know how. A lot of us might not feel trained or equipped to do it. Certainly there was a, there's hints of that also in this Jeremiah passage. What else? Time. Yeah, for sure. Two, we, uh, that's great for somebody who has uh, a little less going on in their world than me right now. Yeah, yeah. I have other plans. You have, yeah. Um, Sue said she has other plans, and sometimes that's, uh, uh, and it kind of goes back, you're on a disruption theme here, <laughs> because <laughs> we kind of have some plans, and then God might come in with something that, that feels like, um, maybe not even contrary to it, but it, it it causes us to have to re-examine and rearrange our lives for sure. Yeah. Too old. Okay, good. That was, that was thank you um, for voicing that on behalf of other people. Um, <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, so, so God called Jeremiah to be a prophet. Uh, he may or may not be calling you to be a prophet, but I, I think it would be good to understand a little bit of the context um, that Jeremiah was in, um, and just a little bit of his calling. He was called to be a prophet. He was called at a pretty young age. Um, scholars say anywhere from like 16 to 20 years old is how old he was. He was the son of a high priest, and so he grew up um, with a knowledge of God. He grew up um, understanding the role that, that God was to play for his country, for, his, for the nation of Israel. Um, 
But he was, um, the, the job that Jeremiah was initially refusing or excusing was to be a prophet. And a prophet is one who speaks truth in a way that it makes it difficult for the people around him to live a sloppy, undisciplined life. A prophet is not just someone who has this magical ability to project what's going on in the future. A prophet is one who um, hears God speaking to them in one ear and has like a newspaper in the other. And he's going to point out, he or she will be pointing out, hey, these, here's where this does not line up. And if this continues, there's consequences. And so the bulk of what Jeremiah's ministry involved was encouraging the people of Israel to repent. He saw the track that they were on. And when they eventually, when, when he saw that they were not going to repent and turn from um, the, the idolatrous ways that they were going, then Jeremiah's message shifted towards, okay, you're going to be going into exile. And probably the the least destructive way for you to go into exile would just be to submit and accept this. And so he was not a popular prophet. Um, he, he, for the most part, um, he was, uh, he, if he was a chef, he was preparing meals that nobody wanted to eat, okay? He was, if you're a parent of children, you know what I'm talking about there. Um, you, uh, uh, he, what he had to say, people were like, that's, that's just not right. Uh, we, we are not believing that. We're not going to follow that. Um, they would not allow themselves to be disrupted by, by that word that Jeremiah had to say. And before we move on to talk a little bit more about um, just other people that, that might have some reluctance and some excuses, um, I do want to make this parallel I think, I think this was really rich. I don't remember which commentary um, brought this up, but uh, there, was a, there were a lot of significant parallels between the life of Jeremiah, the call of Jeremiah, and the life and the call of Jesus. Obviously, there were some differences, but um, some of the similarities were uh, the, uh, in both of their cases, Jerusalem was about to fall and the temple would be destroyed. Um, in both of those situations, in Jeremiah's day and in the day of Jesus, uh, the people's worship had become really stale and ritualistic. There wasn't a life-giving component to it. Um, it had become just rote and uh, impersonal. Uh, we have record of both Jeremiah and Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Both of them experienced uh, a significant amount of rejection from their own families. Uh, they both loved Israel deeply. And many people looked at their ministries, especially in the short term, and considered what they did a failure. Looking at what had happened just right there in that moment, it did not look like Jeremiah or Jesus really succeeded in fulfilling their call. So there is, a, there is a, a natural reluctance as Jeremiah at this young age begins to consider that God is, is asking him to be a voice to the nations. And this is not going to be just a, hey, I got great news for you nations. 
Uh, God's putting him in a position where he's going to have to take and say some really tough things. And sometimes, a lot of times, that's how God works. Uh, sometimes there's some tearing down that has to take place before building up. How many of you ever have ever lived through a, some type of a kitchen or bathroom remodel in your house? <laughs> Don't you wish that it just involved the remodel? <laughs> I, I can remember when our refrigerator was in the foyer and our microwave was in the dining room and the pantry was now kind of over next to the fireplace, just stacked up against the wall. It, it disrupts everything, but there's a, a tearing out and a tearing down that has to take place before a building back up. And so it, God, in speaking to Jeremiah, uses uh, both a, a farming and a construction metaphor there and saying there's some things that have to be plucked up. Uh, there's weeds that have to be um, pulled up, soil that needs to be tilled before we can actually get to planting and see some fruit. There's some stuff that has to be torn down. And it was not a real popular message that, uh, that the people wanted to hear. And it put Jeremiah in this place of, can I, should I, how will I be able to do this? Um, Jack has been, uh, he is a big car fan, and we, we got him um, a car a while back, and he uh, really liked it, except he kept on saying that, you know, Dad, real car guys don't drive automatics, they drive stick shifts. And, and so I was like, okay. Um, long story short, so now he has, he, he has a stick shift car. He sold his automatic, bought a car with a manual transmission, and so, so he and I head to a parking lot so I can teach him how to drive a stick. And this wasn't the first time I've had stick shifts in the past that, um, that we uh, had had him practice on. And it, it kind of went, went like this. We started off in a parking lot with a, a slope, and we started with the car po pointing downhill just to kind of help him get going a little bit and feel where that clutch first begins to engage. Um, and then from there, we went to kind of level ground, and um, he had to pay a little bit more attention to the, to the rev, the sound of the motor, to know how much gas to give it as the clutch was engaging. And uh, this is over a, a period of uh, several times going to the parking lot. But most recently, in his car, we went in one day, and we were kind of doing the, the start and stops in the, in the parking lot. And if you've gone through that, difficulty of learning how to drive a stick shift. You know what I'm talking about. You take some ibuprofen for your neck, you know, for the next day uh, because you're doing this all the time. And uh, it finally got to a point where um, I said to Jack, I was like, all right, let's get out on the road. And this was right after he had stalled it from a dead stop. He's like, Dude, are you sure? You know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm in the car. I'm not going to ask you to do something that's going to put me in danger. <laughs> and uh, he was uncertain, but he trusted me enough that uh, he eases out onto the road, and um, he got us all the way home. And I was like, what's the worst that could happen? You stall at a light, somebody honks behind you, or whatever, you know. And so we, we um, he gets 
gets us home. And then a couple of days later, he's like, Dad, I want to I wanna go driving again. Will you go with me? And I said, I, I think I've taught you everything I know. Not a whole lot, but I, you know, I've taught you the basics. Just get in it and go. You know what to do. And so that's kind of what he started doing over the next several days. And now he is a professional uh, stick shift driver uh, as of, you know, for in three weeks span, not quite professional. But I think there was, there was just this, this beginning point for him where um, the, the question rose, am I really ready for this? And to be honest, when I said, hey, let's, let's get out on the road and you drive us home, did I think he was going to get us home without any problems? Nope. <laughs> I knew it was going to be I knew it was going to be a lot of stop and go. I knew that car was going to die a couple of times. Um, but I felt like this was going to be a good starting point for us. And, and I, I got to think that God kind of was saying to Jeremiah, there's going to be some things that I'm going to ask you to do, and, and it is going to be very uncomfortable to begin with. Uh, there's going to be some stops and some starts. But ultimately, we see that, that Jeremiah was willing to trust God in that. Um, now there's something about our identity, and this is where I wanna kinda of wrap up. Um, our identity plays a key role in our calling. Um, who we are, and more specifically, understanding who we are in light of the one who has called us. To know ourselves, we need to get to know God. And really, one of the ways to get to know God is to get to know yourself better, the one that he's created. Um, I thought this quote by Eugene Peterson was really rich. We are known before we know. This realization has a practical result. No longer do we run here and there panicked and anxious, searching for the answers to life. Our lives are not puzzles to be figured out. Rather, we come to God who knows us and reveals to us the truth of our lives. My identity does not begin when I begin to understand myself. There is something previous to what I think about myself, and it is what God thinks of me. God began this call to Jeremiah by saying, I knew you before you could ever know yourself. Um, Jeremiah's Life didn't start with Jeremiah. Jeremiah's salvation didn't start with Jeremiah. Jeremiah's truth didn't start with Jeremiah. All of these things began with God himself. And it is a way for what we see, as, as I said, Jeremiah was one who, uh, his, his father was a high priest. He knew of God for sure. But I, I got to think that as he stepped out in faith, he began to have um, not just knowing of God, but he went beyond belief in his relationship with God. And what, when God calls us, he is inviting us to go beyond belief, beyond just knowing these are some things that I can tell you. To, this is a personal experience that I have had as a result of walking with God. Um, God is out to win the world in love, and he invites you and I to join him in going out 
and uh, partnering with God to win the world in love. And in this, in this passage in Jeremiah, to me, the key part of this is when, when God says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. I am with you. And that's really kind of the crux of this calling right there. Um, yes, it's going to stretch him. Yes, there's going to be times where he starts and he stops. God is saying, I am with you. Another story about Jack, much earlier in his life, um, we were on vacation in Florida. This is when we lived in St. Louis. And we went down to, to this place and had a pool. And I, I'd say Jack was, I don't think he was even two years old yet. But, um, but the, one of the things that I wanted to help him do was to jump off the edge of the pool into my arms. That, that, that would be a lot of fun. And, and as you can imagine, you've seen it played out with your kids or your nieces and nephews or something. It, it takes a while to coax them to jump off the edge of the pool. Okay, it takes takes a lot of talking, and um, eventually Jack made the leap. And once he made that first leap, it like was nonstop over the next several days. Every time we went to the pool, that's what he wanted to do. Um, so like about a zillion times, he made that leap into the pool, and it caught him. And it was a whole lot of fun. But one. One night laying in bed, I realized something that really kind of startled me and scared me. And it was, did I teach Jack to jump into the pool or did I teach Jack to jump into my arms? Because there's a big difference between those two. When the water is over his head and he doesn't know how to swim, I don't want him to jump into the pool. I want him to jump into my arms. And I got to thinking about that and... and for Jack, the peace and the joy and the excitement came from jumping into my arms. Because if it wasn't for that, peace and joy would have been gone. There would have been excitement, but a whole different kind of excitement. And for us, as God calls us, as God calls you individually, as God calls us as a church, what I want us to keep in mind, and I think this will kind of mute a lot of our excuses, God is inviting us to jump towards him. It's in his direction. So wh where do we jump? Well, maybe, just using this analogy, maybe we, we walk around the pool until we see where God is standing in the pool. And that's where we jump. Where do you see God at work? in your home, in your community, at work? Could you get to that part of the pool and jump and realize he's inviting you into that relationship? I am with you. The best part of responding to God's call is the time that you will have with him as a result of your obedient step. I want us to go back to that, to that song and uh, I think there's going to be, as you, as you think about this and what God might be inviting you into, I think maybe there'll be a, a fresh way for you to engage in this song. Um, and then I'm going to come back up and we'll, um, we'll gather around the table for a time of communion. So let me, let me say this prayer. Father, 
Uh, thank you that you are willing to work through our excuses, that you're patient with us. Um, you know when uh, maybe to roll your eyes when we say we can't do something, but to do it in a way uh, that exudes love and grace. I believe that um, if we have the courage to jump, that there is really some exciting and peace-filled and joy-filled times waiting for us. And so our eyes are on you as we make the leap. Amen. Amen. Um, you guys can stay seated uh, in this time. We're actually going to do a thing we never do, like Gary said, and we're going to repeat a whole song. Um, sometimes the songs that we sing in worship can feel more aspirational than actual. Uh, sometimes the words that we say can feel really far off, and, and I've been in a position where I'm standing in a congregation, and I see the words on the screen, and I'm like, I want to say that. <laughs> I think I believe that. I'm not so sure. <clears throat> and honestly, even this song, like, some of the things in this song, Champion, are on what I say, like, is the front edge of my faith. Um, I'm aware of the discomfort, um, but that's also an invitation to to say yes even more. Um, and with what Gary said, even that that especially that bridge where it says, "When I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out." It's not that you and I have some ability of our own. It's what Gary said that God calls. If He calls, He equips. If he calls you to a thing, he equips you to do a thing so that his good, beautiful, miraculous work happens. So we can confidently say, if you call me, you'll equip me. If you've asked me to do a thing, you'll make it happen. Um, and even as I say that, I'm aware it's like, okay, yes, yes, this is true. You are my firm foundation. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm a lot of things to say. tried so hard to see it took me so long to believe it that you choose someone like me to carry your victory perfection could never earn it you give what we
thank you for walking with me into the unknown. Uh, thank you for um, walking through excuses and reluctance and seeing what God has for us on the other side, uh, experiencing God in our midst. Um, I'm not a, not a, great, uh, a great cook by any means, but uh, we've off and on, we've done these uh, uh, meals that they send to your door. Basically all the ingredients are there and you just follow the instructions. The Ikea of meal prep is what I've called it. And uh, Home Chef is the particular one that we use I may or may not be getting royalties off of that. Um, and it, it is something that I can follow and, and kind of get us through, and we enjoy the food okay. Um, but earlier this week, um, the food wasn't the highlight as much as it was Beth and I together in the kitchen fixing it. And I don't want to make this sound like some Instagram, you know, my life is perfect thing. We, I'm sure there were some tiffs in the kitchen as well but but for real the food tasted great but what I remember is the time with Beth in the kitchen would you continue to step out with me in faith perhaps what God calls you to is going to taste great but what we will remember is our time with God you know, I can I can tell you that for Beth and I um, as parents, God has called us to be parents. And we have walked through some pretty dark times. I don't know that I can give you advice as a parent, but Beth and I can say this. God was with us, is with us the whole way. What's God calling you to? And how is he going to make his presence known to you? When we gather together and come around this table, we are remembering Christ in our midst. Would you allow yourself to just kind of sink into that God in your midst? That he is going to be with you in the, in the coming days. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for what this bread and this cup represent, your sacrifice for us. Thank you for being the God who goes with us us. We partake celebrating your presence. Amen.